Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a special edition of the Black and Blue Pod. I'm your host, Matt McLaughlin, and we have gone from su- Sixers suicide watch list to possibly, <laughs> possibly a Sixers bot bar mitzvah. I don't know which one we would be throwing, but we are throwing a party, possibly, because game six with the Sixers up three to two is taking place tonight on Thursday. May, I almost said March, May 11th, uh, 2023. I'm Matt McLaughlin, joined by Jude Wozniak. Jude, how are we feeling? Sixers pull out a game 5W in convincing fashion. Let's just jump right into it. How are we feeling about this? I'm feeling great after the game five. I mean, what, 11 game fives in a row with a loss and then no win since 2001? It may not be 11 games. I think it's 11 games, though. That That's really bad. <laughs> I mean, it's not ideal. Not ideal. It is not. And I, I saw a video today of the Joel process whole years of the draft and how Joel is the only draft pick left. Ben's gone. Fultz gone. Noel's gone. Okafor is gone. Uh, and then one more. Oh, uh, was Zaire Noel. Smith. Uh, uh, yeah, Nerlens Noel. I thought I said Noel. Um, and then, uh, yeah, Zaire Smith for Mikel Bridges gone. Or, well, he's still on the team. I I don't even know what he's doing in the G League. But to come from that, all the way here, the crippling depression of the Kawhi shot. Nobody wants to even think about it. Um, ben hurt one year with Joel against the Celtics. They lose. Um, they go to game seven against the Celtics one year. They lose. They get swept by the Celtics in the bubble, I believe it was. Yes. Uh, all, all these the years of just domination against the Sixers team. And they just look different, especially in that game five. I mean, in – the losses, they looked definitely defeated or they were trying to relax a little bit, didn't want to exert too much energy. And that's understandable. Those things are going to happen. And, I mean, I talked to you about it. The Celtics looked like they were coasting, like not caring. Sometimes coasting is going to come back to bite you. The Celtics save their energy in those early quarters to use it on the fourth quarter. Well, if you're down 20, 30 points going into that fourth quarter, that's not a good look. And we mentioned it as it just looks e- like easy mode for them, but sometimes maybe they're relaxing too much or they should, I mean, Tatum started bad and then ended phenomenally. He was uh, towards the end 10 for 20 after his first 0 for six, but ended 11 for 27. Um, he was really good down the stretch. His three point shooting has been suspect all series, but inside the paint, he's been good. He's getting foul calls now and Jalen Brown is still dominant. Uh, it all comes on, can they stop Al Horford and Malcolm Brogdon? I think those are the two people that we saw uh, just watching those games that that stops any Celtics run. Malcolm Brogdon hits big threes. Um, Marcus Smart, he didn't even really play that well. I mean, he was good from the free throw line. He missed his first two the series or the playoffs, which is crazy. But two for seven, two for five from three. If you could stop these three-point shooters, and we'll talk about them, Doc Rivers' greatest coaching moment of his career, Daniel House. Daniel House sighting, baby. It's crazy. 15 minutes, 10 points. And every time he touched the ball, I'd say to my mom, he's horrible. What is he doing? He's the worst player on the team. And then he had a 360 layup, a contested double clutch uh, floater in. Like, he can't shoot, but inside he was doing well. He was rookie. He was Jordan rookie year. He was just pulling (laughs) up the most insane shit. He looked great on defense. And I mean, Malcolm Brogdon's stat line shows. I feel like Malcolm Brogdon didn't make a shot on him. And Brogdon was three for nine, one for two from three. He wouldn't even shoot threes when he was guarding him. 
So I think Doc made a great coaching decision there. And Joel finally not being hesitating or scared as soon as he catches the ball and there's two feet, not much even separation between him and Horford or him and Williams. He'll just pop it immediately. And that's what I like to see because he's a point guard in a center's body. He can make all those shots. I'm confident. We saw it in the 50-point game. We saw it last game. Even Charles Barkley said, Joel needs to go get his game. And he got his game. 33-7. 10 for 23. I can't be happier. There was the jinx of they said that he was nine for nine all time in the playoffs from overtime and TNT threw out every single jinx possible. It was crazy. It was like the conference the finals. One. Yeah. <laughs> the game five, the conference finals one. Uh Joel uh and game in against the Celtics, his playoff career. I was really getting sick of it. I was like, they're just trying to throw out bad juju um out the window. Takeaway from this game. Are we going to start having the Jason Tatum is an empty stats player conversation? I, I think definitely. I mean, like his stats are meaningless at this point. And yeah, I kept them close. But I think Peyton Richard was more impactful than Tatum in this game. Peyton Pritchard? I mean, yeah. Peyton Pritchard? You mean Peyton yeah. Pritchard? Pritchard. My fault. Okay. I've always, said it French. I've, I've always said it Pritchard. I've always said it Pritchard. Damn. Um. I think that he was more impactful. I mean, he immediately came off the bench at the end of the game, nailed two threes, and then a deep two. So when that lineup checked in and they started hitting threes, I was like, there's no way this is happening. There's no way. It would be the most Sixers ending of all time. If Sam Houser and Peyton Pritchard ended the Sixers' hopes by coming back and just bombing away threes, looking like Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. Four minutes left, I sent uh, a Bugs Bunny meme and that the game was over. And uh, they go on a 12 When you sent that in the group chat, (laughs) I was like, have you never – you should have been (laughs) smacked in the face for that. Philadelphia Sports Fan 101, you never text in a group chat that the game is over before it's over, especially a playoff game. It's just a basic fundamental commandment of being a Philly fan. You're right. You're right. I was just confident. This team's different. I even said to my mom, two years ago or any Ben Simmons team, if they're up by 20, they lose that game. We saw it against Atlanta, although it happened in the late third quarter, the comeback happened. They lose that game. They go on a 12-0 run. Doc Absolutely. waits an extra minute for them to come back in, and then they're only up by eight with a minute 30 left. They lose. This is different. Yeah. I have confidence in this team to close out games in the fourth quarter. If anything's close in this series, whether it goes to seven, I don't know if it will or not. But if it goes to seven or six, it ends at six. If the game is close, the Sixers win. They just have better closeout players. This. I agree. I think this team is different. And especially, I think this is when you see why PJ Tucker matters. This is the second straight year dog. of James Harden, like just running the show. And he's been more, he's just pulling Maxi aside. He's him and, um, and beat are constantly communicating about like, Hey, what'd you see here? What'd you see here on the sideline? Uh, even after that game, one performance, Harden says like, it's just one game. Go back to the fucking locker room. Um, there's this whole new support system. And this is also the second straight year of Embiid saying, fuck you, I'm going to take over in playoff time. And the first example of that was the Toronto series, and he hits that game-winning three. And this is is the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Just to turn around through the leg. (laughs) I was like, what the fuck are we doing? Oh, my God. (laughs) Just turned into a Jim Ross, a Hell in a Cell commentary. Uh, And (laughs) And this is exactly what we've been looking for out of Joel, probably more than anything. Not only is just health, but when the playoffs are here, 
is he going to be able to step up? And this is the second straight postseason where he has. And when he drilled that dag, it was a three to go up, like, what, 17? I think it was, yeah. like, 92 to 65. And he drills that on the on the wing, and he's he's egging on the Boston crowd. It's like he knows his time has arrived, and this is him hitting his peak powers. So it as much as, as a Sixers fan, I want to say, like, Oh, the demons are going to come back. Let's let's kind of take a chill pill. I, like I'm walking on eggshells. Going into this game six, I'm like, our big three just combined for 80 fucking points. Daniel House of all people is making contributions. Tobias Harris, ten points, like, ten points, ten point, <laughs> dude, ten huge. points. Some 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 defensive stops. He was putting the clamps on Malcolm Brogdon uh, and Derek White, and also you add in the fact that Tobias Harris was looking aggressive for the first time in what feels like forever. Even with he, the foul trouble, seven for 10. Even with the foul trouble, and he's just, when he, when he gets on the low block and he's just throwing his shoulder into Brogdon or White's chest, that's when you know, oh, we could have a great game coming out of Toby here. So this does feel different. And right now when I'm watching Boston, it looks like they really do not like playing with each other. Like, Smart always looks pissed that he's getting taken out. Horford is great when he's like, all of a sudden dunking at fucking 37 years old um, and hitting threes. <laughs> but when he's not, he just kind of looks lost. Tatum, Jason Tatum could have a knife with blood on it and be at the, cri- the a crime scene, and he would still be mad that the cops would arrest him. I have never – I thought Nikola Jokic and Luka Doncic were bad with complaining. Jason Tatum is the OJ of the NBA. He does not <laughs> believe he is guilty at all, ever. Ever, I have never seen any any player act like this before. You sold I, me on that after I watched the halftime half court heave where nobody touched him, and he turns to the ref and starts yelling at him. It almost gets a tech for how much he yelled at him. It's a half court heave, but the <laughs> clock was even expired. the The shot wouldn't have counted, and the he shot was wouldn't have, complaining. The shot wouldn't have counted. And when has and when has a ref? I can probably count on one hand the amount of times I've seen a ref call a foul on a half court heave from three, and it's. <laughs> It's probably only Steph. That's probably it. Because um, he can make them. Exactly. So, I Boston just looks like a team that's fractured. And I don't, like, Derek White, when he's hot, he feels confident. But in the NBA Finals, we just saw last year, he can disappear. He can fade. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, I, he is in a YMCA's worst nightmare of a pickup basketball player. <laughs> but, like, is he going to be enough? Is he going to really drop 30? I, I don't think so. So, like, for the first time in my life, I feel like the Sixers are a better team than the Boston Celtics. And it's so strange. It's so surreal. And credit to Doc Rivers, man. If if Bryce Harper's postseason run made him a postseason player in the eyes of the rest of the, the sports world, this postseason run should solidify Doc as one of the best coaches in the NBA with this postseason run. The adjustments of starting Paul Reed in game one, bringing in Daniel House just in game five, um, rotating different minutes of just trying to figure out, okay, limiting Embiid's minutes in last game five so he's fresher in game four or in the fourth quarter. He has pushed all the right buttons and has really coached circles around Joe Mazzola. And I think that's been a huge difference maker. And I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm happy, but I'm so happy. I'm scared at the same time. 
because it's like as a Sixers fan, we've been so stoked before and it's all come crashing down. And so one of those things where it's like, ah, when does it happen? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think that all this comes definitely from the turmoil of the Celtics because it worked last year on Joe Mazzulla. Well, I think that the coaching you is mean definitely Doka? Well, Joe Mazzulla this year is the reason, but uh, oh, Doka oh, oh. was what gelled that team together. I think he's a phenomenal coach, some allegations and everything. I don't know what's confirmed or not, so I'm not going to speak on it. But yeah. I think the coaching is a big issue for Boston. I originally thought Mazzulla was a great coach coming in, but talent can only be hidden for so long of how this roster really works. Um, I think that they have so much talent and they're so deep on the bench the deepest team in the league. I don't even think it's really a question uh, for them, but it is now starting to come down. I mean, the talent is starting to fade away of, oh, we all don't really like each other, it seems like, and everybody's butting heads. And Ime, I think, was a great coach. He realized and told his players what he needed to do and how they needed to do it to make it, and that's what really took them over the edge. I mean, for years we saw Boston crumble in the conference finals, the semifinals, whatever it was. Um, and then last year they finally got over the hump and now they have another rookie coach that's changing up the scheme and Doc Rivers is coaching circles around him. Uh, I really like what he's done. I mean, I know it's the playoffs and you're not going to be playing 10, 11 players like the regular season, but I think he's gotten in his mind, no matter what happens, as long as Joel's off the floor, I need um, Harden and Tobias out there, Maxi or Tobias or Harden and Maxi. That has to be a combination. No two can be sitting at the same time. There has to be two all-star level players out there at one time when Joel's out there. We didn't see that for the past two years when Doc was coaching for the Sixers, and it led to massive runs when Joel was on the bench. I mean, it was, I think, even game four where they weathered the storm a little bit, um, where Joel went out, but Paul Reed had big buckets, and it's the empty minutes where Joel is gone that they don't allow Boston to get out front or other teams to get out front, which has been critical for the Sixers team how long when Ben Simmons was on the court or how long when even Butler was here, there would be a stretch of teams either coming back in or extending a lead. Joel would come out the game tied and they'd be down 10 or they'd be down five to eight. It's still a big difference or they'd be up 10 and it'd be tied when he'd come back. I don't see that. I see them going blow for blow or maybe only losing by one point. Uh, and that's, that's all you need your bench to do ultimately. Yeah. It's just like, Hey, just keep us within striking distance if we're down and just keep them far away, like five to eight points if you can. And Joel can get that in two possessions. It's easy. Exactly. And also, I'm glad we kind of talked about him before. Paul Reed, man, if you want to, like, he's a dog, dog made it out the mud, <laughs> absolutely phenomenal. If you have any concerns about the Sixers team not being different or being as mentally weak as it passed, look at a guy like Paul Reed. There was a, there was a pick and roll where I think um, I believe Harden was coming down the right side and he dropped it off to Reed and Reed does this like double clutch through contact. And he just, he's just jogging back. Like it's natural. And I'm like, Holy shit. Cause you know, in practice, Tucker's telling him like, get into the hole, finish that. Or yeah. uh, Harden's saying like, keep going, keep diving. Just, just stay with the play. And that has been something that has been missing from the Sixers team forever. Like draft picks, man. Like so far in the last few years, Tyrese Maxey, the only real draft pick that's hit so far, other than Joel Embiid, yeah. obviously. Tyrese yeah. Maxey's the only one. I don't and know where. Springer G may be it. I like him. Gene Springer may be in fucking Serbia for all I know. 
but like on the roster. He's on the roster. He won MVP for this team in the Zaire Smith is in the witness protection program. He's disappeared. (laughs) Okay. Peanuts. He's scared of peanuts. Matisse Thibel's in Portland. We just sent him to the farthest place possible in the United States. (laughs) Like (laughs) if there's one, if there's one weakness of this team, it's draft picks. And Paul Reed is a gem, a diamond in the rough. And I'm so stoked. Tyrese Maxey as well. I think Tyrese deserves his credit because when you lay an egg, when you have zero points in games two, three, and four, and you come out in game five and you have a chance to go up three, two, and you drop like, what was it? Three, four threes in the second half, like six for 12 in the game. Yeah. That, that is a special stage of development. And there was a specific play. I believe it was halfway through the fourth quarter. Shot clock at six, seven seconds. He's at half court on the on the near sideline. He just sprints by Jalen Brown, pulls up at the free throw line, ice in his veins, and he drills a jumper, I think, to push it up to like 14, uh, 12 to 14. And that was the moment where I was like, oh, he's growing up. He's growing up. It's making me shed a tear a little bit. The kid's there. Tyrese. The kid's there. Oh, a little Tyrese. He's growing up. And it... I just last year I don't last year I don't think he takes that. The year before in the Atlanta series, I, he does not take that shot. However, I will say he does get a little careless with some of these passes, like yeah, either receiving or making the passes. There was in the first in the first half, there was a pass. Um Harden was tying his shoe. And then Maxi just like lofts it over to Embiid, and Embiid has to like swat it out of bounds. Yeah, that was infuriating. Then there was the Jason Tatum. Uh, he he jumped the pass. Tatum jumped Picked the it pass. Off and scored. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, those are the moments where it's very frustrating with Tyrese because it's like that's just a lack of experience, but also it's such a boneheaded thing not to do. That it's like, how can that's the one fucking fundamental. Um, but he still deserves a shit ton of credit. Because I did not see this coming. I thought he'd get a like 15, 17, but for him to drop 30, massive, massive for his confidence. Yeah. I thought he'd go for like a low 20. I mean, I even like voted on a poll that I think he'll get like 21, something in that range. But I didn't expect him to come out and shoot 50% from three. We talked about it in the last podcast that he was shooting 25% against the Celtics before even game five, which he shot even worse, or um, game six. Or four. Oh my goodness. Before game four, which he didn't shoot well. I'm getting my all this stuff mixed up. Long day. But he came out, he played 41 minutes, the most on the team. I mean, he's the kid. He's 21, 10 for 21, four for four from the free throw line, seven rebounds as a they say he's, I believe they say he's six three. I don't think he's six three. I really don't. They say I'm he's not buying that. Don't. I'm not buying that. Like my yeah. my buddy was texting me. He was like, Oh yeah, he's just got to bulk up like Drew Holiday. I'm like, he is not. He's not as tall as him. He's not yeah. as tall as, He's not as big. <laughs> yeah, I was like, no way. They're only an inch difference. No shot. Yeah. So, like, I, I see growth and development. And, yeah, we always talk about, oh, we're scared of him going 200 miles per hour. He's at the boiling point. You have to slow down. Slow the game down. Everything's going too fast. But sometimes it works in his favor. Sometimes it doesn't. The boneheaded passes, like the Tatum pickoff, stuff like that, it hurts. But for him pulling in seven rebounds, 41 minutes, I did not see him stop running full speed. It's crazy. And I love it. And you talked about Paul Reed. Paul Reed just isn't, isn't just a dog for this team. I think that he is so good to this community for the Philadelphia community. I mean, I run, I worked for a pro-am last summer 
He went to multiple games just for fun, sitting in the stands, not all dressed up or anything, just in sweatshirts, slacks, anything. And he sat in the stands just having fun watching a Camden League called the Brotherly Love Pro-Am. And he is a Philly guy. He loves giving back to the community and just hanging out with people. And that's what really made me love Paul Reed. I mean, they've needed a backup center for how long? And he just goes out there and there's not a second like Tyrese. Him and Tyrese, the kids, don't give up a second of energy when they're on the court. I love it. P.J. Tucker, I think, has definitely instilled that dog mentality uh, this year in both of them because I did see times last year where Paul Reed was a little bit lackadaisical, but with P.J. Tucker here, I see a completely different player. So high energy. Thank God Montrez Harrell is on the bench. Thank God. Montrez Harrell, another guy in the witness protection program joining. He's uh, a dog, but I don't no, like he's him not. as the dog. Dude, I, he looks like the old head at every YMCA, probably at that pro-am <laughs> that you were working. And he's just like, he, just he was there. He was there. He played. He just won't. He, he's just like the old guy that you have to drag him off the court and no one wants to tell him to like get off. And it's just so sad. And it's just there were closeouts during the season where Montrez Harrell looked like he just looked like a starfish in like midair. And was just like, it just like wasn't even trying. I was like, eight center. What I mean, like, it's not the right person. He doesn't have the shooting skills to be anything else. Like, if he could shoot a little bit more, he could play power forward, but he's six eight center. At least PJ can hit threes. Seriously. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to complain about depth because we've had Sixers teams in the past that had zero depth. Um, So, yeah, I mean, so looking at game six, this may be the most unpredictable game in Sixers history because I don't know how this could go. Uh... This could be either James Harden drops 45 or four. I don't know which one. And no in between. Yeah, exactly. So my gut tells me that they close it out because I think that seeing him how fired up Embiid was to drop those daggers in the hearts of Celtics fans, seeing how calm and collected Tyrese was down the stretch with the ball in his hands, Tobias had like a fire in his eye to finally get over, hopefully get over this hump. PJ Tucker throughout this series has been calling out Embiid and Harden like on the floor I don't I think there's too much momentum here. Sure, the Celtics make the Celtics can hit their threes, but they live and die by the three. And I think in in a close and yep. a potential closeout game against the Boston Celtics, where they advance to the conference finals for the first time in 20 fucking years. We weren't alive. We weren't <laughs> alive. I don't think people get that. <laughs> and this is like this is redemption for the Kawhi shot. The confetti game, all of the the Ben Simmons trade. This is redemption for all of that. And I think there are so many legacies on the line that no one, everyone has to be hearing the noise and they have to be saying like, fuck it. Let's go out there. Let's shove that leprechaun's pipe down his goddamn throat and make the rest of the entire city of Boston absolutely hate themselves as sports fans (laughs) for once, for once. Oh, but they have the most problems or they've had the most turmoil, whatever that guy tweeted. And the podcaster for Barstool said that Boston oh my fans God. have had it the hardest. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, I wanted to throw my phone. I wanted to break my phone. More championships for all your teams that I could count on both hands. And we we as 
Philadelphia fans have lost every single championship this year besides hockey. They lost the USFL championship. The USFL. <laughs> the Philadelphia Stars, man. Do you know how real how invested I was in that? Yeah, no, Fidel, Fidelberg. And I really like that podcast, but when they tweeted that clip out, I was like, oh, you know exactly what you're doing by getting me this emotional. Man. Yeah. Yeah, um, then, no, I that mean, was dumb. That was I, dumb. I look at it, and I'm worried in the sense of – I think that, like I mentioned, that if they're close, they're going to win it no matter what. But I'm worried about coming out flat. That's the biggest thing. I think that it all depends on the start for this team. There's three phases of Sixers games. It's the start. It is that point of the second quarter where there's like five minutes left where sometimes they just miss everything and they lose it. And then there is the third quarter going into the first couple minutes of the fourth without Joel. Those are the three biggest points of any Sixers game. The beginning, um, that second quarter with five minutes left, and then that uh, third quarter to fourth quarter start. That's all. You need to win those three points, and you know Joel will do the rest. That's all that matters. You have to keep energy, and they can't come out flat. And if they come out flat, they damn better be the goddamn 96 Bulls with their defense out there. Dennis Rodman halfway across the court, diving for rebounds. Michael Jordan swatting stuff into the stands. And I think they could do that, even if they start flat. I mean, Joel had, in his first game, back five blocks, then he had four blocks. I mean, if they – Joel, he seems They're so scared. good and confident at the paint. And Boston is not having those – it looks like how Harden played in game three. They're scared to go up. They're and scared. the only person getting fouled is Tatum, and half of them are so stupid. Reggie Miller put it best. If he makes that one basket, they don't call the foul. But since he missed it, they called the foul f- three seconds late. Like, that, is, that shouldn't be the case. You shouldn't be second-guessing calls, and just because he missed, you blow your whistle. Blow it or don't blow it, and suck that whistle down because you made the call. That's what you have to deal with. If you don't make the call, don't blow your whistle five seconds later when, they're, when the Sixers are already running down the court. I don't care. Just because he missed because he was contested, it's not a foul. That's my point. And, like, my boss, he refs uh, high school games, and he's very good at what he does. And he said, I would never want to ref an NBA game because it is so incredibly hard. Every screen is illegal. Nothing is fine. <laughs> like everybody bumping into <laughs> each other. Joel or all defenders hand checking and pushing each other. That's a foul. I mean, the screens are horrendous. Watch Joel. And I love Joel, but his legs are all widespread. You can't do that. And he's leaning <laughs> over every time. I'm like, come on, Joel. Let's at least like make it a little bit more make believable. Make it subtle, but they don't call it. So that's what I care about. And uh, he said it best, like fans aren't there to watch you call damn moving screens and them getting free throws and they're never going to call it. So he uses it to the best of his ability, but the refs have to be better. The Jason Tatum push off in game four. That was so bad. Jalen Brown coming into the paint last game and going like this. I think it was Tobias and pushing him across his whole body with his elbow. You don't call that. I think that in terms of both sides, the offensive foul calls have just been horrible. And they need to be better. And I can guarantee a Scott Foster, who I have a bad feeling he's going to be a part of this game. And he, oh, no, don't say that. Don't put the Scott Foster (laughs) energy out there. No, no. I'll be there yelling at him. I'll be there screaming at him if he's there. If Scott Foster and his slicked back gray hair are there, and then ESPN shows a close up of Adam Silver in the, in a suite or something, I will riot. And I will launch any investigation I can into collusion and sabotage of the Sixers' playoff chances. Am I a lawyer? Yeah, I Not said, at all. How much you pay in the refs? <laughs> yeah. I said, how many 20s you slide up? 
yeah so bad seriously um yeah so i think but i i just don't think that they're gonna i mean the scott foster part of the equation i did not consider if he even refs it he may be out in phoenix with no chris paul out there so the suns may be in a better Mm. situation because chris paul just got hit as out again for game six right now i just saw so that's yeah unfortunate for the suns they just got schlacked and they're they're gonna miss their uh sort of facilitator but the sixers are healthy Joel's knee looks good. He didn't wear a brace. We didn't haven't talked about it. He didn't that wear was a the, brace last game. That's a good point. That's a good point. That was 33 points, clean. 21 points in the first half. That was the best half that Joel has played since I think the early Brooklyn series, maybe if that. Yeah. Um, and he's just coming man, off I, game four with the most minutes he's ever played in his career, too, or whatever it was, second most. So he played a lot of really? minutes at the day. Yeah, because of the overtime game. He played like 47 oh, minutes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. True. I true, think true, it was true. the most he's ever played. No, that's fair. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Minutes. Absolutely. So I, it's just every time I think I can't be more impressed by Joel Embiid, <laughs> Hans does something. And it just, it just elevates my expectation, or not my expectation, my I love for the king of Philadelphia as I tweet he is out. The, he is the king of Philly. I, I, I love Bryce. I love Bryce, but Joel has been through it more. I, a, I have to so say. who do you who do you put on who do you put on the Philly athlete Mount Rushmore? At this point, yeah. Um. Well, Joel's going to be the first guy. He's Washington. Then Bryce has to be two. And people are going to call me crazy for putting him over Hertz. I think AJ Brown has completely changed that Eagles team. At this point, really, you put I AJ like Brown AJ in Brown. There. That's an interesting I like choice. Brown. I think I would go Jason Kelsey, and Jason Kelsey, of course. I I just well, think that this that Eagles offense is not the same without AJ Brown because he takes the top off again. Oh oh oh, absolutely. From, yeah yeah, from a football perspective, sure. I'm speaking strictly from like a personality, like personality. I go hurts. Then I don't know anything about the Flyers for- enough. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, well, probably for the better. Flyers don't even need a fucking president on there because they, they're they so trash. Um, Lesnes from the Union. Andre Blake, the goalie. Goat. No, I'm not I'm not putting a Union guy on <laughs> Philly athlete Mount Rushmore. That's not happening. The amount of people. It's I, two Eagles. It could be even Brandon Graham. It, it would probably be. No, it's got to be. It's got to be Kelsey. I'm sorry. Kelsey's, well, Kelsey and another Eagle player. Yeah, Kelsey oh. and Hertz. Kelsey and Hertz. Okay. Because Hertz saved us from the Wentz catastrophe. You're right. You're right. So, I, I agree with that. Or yeah, I'd I'd go Philly. I go Bryce, Bryce, Joel, Paul Reed. Can we slide Paul Reed in? <laughs> can we can we slide Paul Reed in? For Mac McClung. Mac McClung. <laughs> Dunk champion Mac McClung. Dunk champion Mac McClung. Uh the only, the only hardware the Sixers have had in how long? <laughs> Hey guys, you win any hardware yet? We got a G League championship thanks to Mac McClung. We do him and Jaden Springer. <laughs> uh, God, I got sidetracked with that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a quality content people tune in for. Um, but I truly believe that this is gonna. I think this is gonna be one twenty three, one ten Sixers win. I would be so happy as I, I kind of alluded to, I'm going to the game with our other good friend that we went to the Phillies Braves game. Uh, watch the Reese Hoskins spike. Mac young will be there with me as I'm so jealous. I'm, usually, bro. I'm the phone. And it was only 200. It wasn't bad, including fees. Here's the thing horrible. is like, but that was going into game five. Yeah. And I could easily have seen 
the brink of game. elimination going to game six. Yeah. The hole like, in your stomach. I understand. Because if I go to if I go to the Wells Fargo Center and they get eliminated there, I will throw <laughs> myself off the top. <laughs> that just that was just gonna happen. I was gonna impale myself on the Liberty Bell, something. And, like <laughs> this, this team would have drove me to the end. it on your head. Yeah, exactly. It would have not have been pleasant. I would have probably walked in front of a septa train. It would not have been it would not have been I, fun. I think that you are uh, more right than wrong in saying that a blowout is more likely. I think Joe Mazzola has his back against the wall. He's a deer in the headlights at this point. I think Doc, for how much Sixers fans have dumped on him and how bad he has been at times, is running circles around him. I don't think that there is any coaching debate on who is better. I think it's Doc squared at this point of how much better he is than Joe Mazzola. Um, And I think that all that matters at the end of the day is live by the three, die by the three, Boston. Can you stop Al Horford? Can he go 0 for 7 again from three? Can you stop Malcolm Brogdon? Because we saw in game three, those were the two players where the Sixers would cut the lead to three. They'd immediately hit the three, or hit another three, one of those two, and the whole crowd would sit down. There was three separate occasions where they'd come out, Sixers would cut the lead down to single digits or even five points, and then they come down and immediately hit a three and extend it to seven, extend it to ten. Those are the two impact players, not the Jason Tatums or the Jalen Browns, because they're going to get theirs. It's the same thing with Joel and Harden. They're going to get theirs. It's the impact players and, bold prediction, Tobias Harris legacy game for the Sixers. Toby legacy game. I like it. I He's like starting it. to feel it. He's starting to feel it. I mean, he was seven for 10. And if he wasn't in foul trouble, he, I had a feeling he was going for 30. I just felt it with Tobias. I mean, he hit that one clean three. He was only one for three from uh, beyond the arc, but seven for 10, he was aggressive inside. And I think some of those foul calls are not fouls on him. And he's going to learn that that's how the refs call him. So he has to be a little bit more patient on defense, but his shooting is starting to come back from that Brooklyn series. Tobias Harris legacy game, even if he gets 25 to 28, I mean, he had 16 and 11 last game. That's all you need from him. But I think he's going to be the third best player on the court for the Sixers behind Joel and Harden, of course. Yeah, I think I think Harden goes for 30 plus. I think he, I, I hope so. I think he sees this as like not only his last chance, he's a career maker. This this is not just a career maker. This is this is a career define. This is a career perception changer. Like. If he, if James Harden gets 30 plus points in this game, which I think he will, this changes all the perception of choke job, uh, he, uh, selfish ball player that doesn't necessarily Couldn't want finish to win. the series against the Warriors. Couldn't finish the series against the Warriors. He's only in it for the money. And I think he's going to come out and say, no, you guys didn't learn your lesson from games one and five. All right, cool. Drop this 30 on your head. And he doesn't have to do that, but I just think that when he is hungry and he is hunting for his shot, especially in the interior, that sets a tone for the rest of the team. Just like Toby throwing his chest in the Brogdon or White down in the post, that sets a tone that they're not going to take anyone's shit. And I think it just gives the rest of the team energy. PJ Tucker ain't letting this game slip out of their hands. I'm telling you right now, if PJ Tucker, if PJ Tucker has this, if they have a chance to win this game, he is not letting anyone skate by. So I truly think I'm I'm gonna predict 123 to 110, Sixers W. I got I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with that range of what I said the first time. I'm not gonna go 118, 110 again. I'm gonna go 115, 107. Sixers, Harden, John Hogue. I don't I don't know if that's how you say uh how or ho, 
uh, his buddy from Michigan State, a Harden legacy how? game. I think it's how. I, I think, think it's how as well. Um, just because he's there in the stands, he's going to show out for him as well. Um, I I think that this is huge for the Sixers. I mean, I I have all the confidence in the world they could go to Boston and win. They've done it twice already. But let's just make it easier. You have to probably play Jimmy Butler in the next round and get haunted by his ghost anyway. Let's take it easy here. <laughs> Dude, this is if the Sixers win this game, this will be the big, the most defining win of the Joel Embiid era so far. That they, they haven't gotten is, past Big Brother Celtics. You get you past the Big Brother, you vanquish all those demons. You, you, it's just such a different energy and level of life. And Embiid can say like, Ben Simmons, go fuck yourself. Okay, like you don't want to <laughs> be here. Like Brent Brown, you didn't use me right. Jerry Colangelo had to use Twitter burners. Thanks for that. And it's like. <laughs> he he can finally say that the process is like not completed, but it's worked. And Sam Hinkie died for our sins. <laughs> and and he can finally just say, like, I am one of the best players in the league, whether you like it or not. And Daryl Moore the GOAT. Hashtag Daryl Moore the GOAT. El- Elton <laughs> Brand, man. Who would have thought? After uh, his horrible start and figuring everything out, he brings in Daryl Moore and they work perfectly. I saw a photo of that on Twitter. Not that long ago, it was the the Josh Richardson, Al Horford starting lineup. And I was like, I really convinced <laughs> myself. I convinced myself. That they could I, do something with it. <laughs> I was like, all this length and spacing and three and D guys? Nope. Uh, but yeah, that does it for all of us here at the Black Blue Pod. Thank you all for tuning in. Let's go Sixers. Come on, please. Just make my week, make my year, make my life. This this will make my, as a Sixers fan, as a Sixers fan, this will make my life. I will hold on to this until the day I die. Uh, But yeah. Hold it over that leprechaun forever. (laughs) Absolutely. So we'll catch you in the next episode.